1: Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.
2: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Ross Martin, going to be talking some uh, heels in the NBA Summer League. But Ross, before
1: we get to that, man, how's life treating you, buddy? Good, John. I, I just got back from Montana. I was uh, there in the Big Sky Country for twelve days. Worked a little bit, backpacked a little bit, floated down a river, went rafting, camping and hiking, and all that good stuff. And and got a chance to get some work done as well. So got back on, um, I guess Monday night, and jumped back into to work mode here Tuesday. And now I'm speaking, having the privilege of speaking with you on this beautiful tuesday night ah i appreciate it man i know last
2: (laughs) week when i was on vacay you took my spot on the podcast with don and now this week since mr tommy ashley is taking his much needed vacay we're kind of swapping roles a little bit so you know mixing it up for the people but hey gotta keep things fresh right that's right that's right let's get into it absolutely man so let's just um Pretty much start with, I'm sure, the biggest topic that at least for Carolina fans for the NBA summer league, which is the play of Justin Jackson for the Sacramento Kings. This is his second season playing in the summer league. And I mean, he's he's really just killing it so far. Full disclosure, I didn't watch a whole lot of Justin last year, but he's dropping twenty point games on the reg during this year's summer league. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and you know he was a high pick last year, number fifteen overall, in the two thousand and seventeen draft, coming off the two thousand and seventeen national championship. And he started forty one games and played in sixty eight. So he was a big part of their team last year. Um, and usually rookies and you know I guess sophomores in the, usually play in the summer league. So he's back for his second season in the summer league and and putting up good numbers. Um, I guess last year during the NBA season he didn't average too many points, six point seven. Points, 2.8 rebounds, a little reduced role, but he's kind of proving in the summer league in 2018 that, you know, he's a big time player, uh, really worked on his shot. He seems very smooth, and you're seeing flashes of what he did at Carolina, but he's adding quickness a little bit more, taking players off the dribble, slashing through the lane, of course, that floater, which we all got to see a lot in Chapel Hill. And it's funny, he's playing alongside Harry Giles, who's kind of breaking <laughs> out this summer, and uh, the Sacramento Kings. First round pick whose name escapes me right now. What's his You're name? You're talking about not not Mr. Marvin Bagley the third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marvin Bagley. He's there. Yeah. He's with the Kings as well. I don't know. Yeah. I guess I just zone. Once they leave college, I zone out. But it's funny seeing Jackson playing with all of those of those Duke players. But he has definitely had a great summer so far, putting up like you said, twenty point games uh, back to back to back, and and really showing a, a pretty impressive offense offensive arsenal recently.
2: Yeah, I mean, for the Summer League, according to the NBA website on that, he's averaging 18 points, uh, one assist, and then four rebounds. And to put it in perspective, uh, just in Sacramento's game earlier today, he dropped 20 points again, but that was on 8 of 13 shooting, 2 of 4 from beyond the arc. So it's not like he's dropping you know all these points, but he's also putting up 25, 30 shots. I mean, he's doing it efficiently, which I think – is something that we saw from him during his last season in Carolina where he would you know just kind of have that killer efficiency going.
1: Yeah, and you know, he is kind of what he is, you know, he's is a, a long shooting guard wing type player. He's not going to be a banger. He's still very slight, but he fits in the nice with what Sacramento has and you got to be kind of excited with what they're building there, kind of retooling their team, getting rid of some older older players and really building through the draft and it seems like Jax is going to be one of their premier players um, heading into 2018 season. The shot looks great. The thing he retooled heading into his junior season at UNC. And like I spoke about earlier, just kind of really becoming a versatile offensive player, uh, scoring at all three levels. And uh, once he gets a little stronger he continues to grow, you know, it looks like he'll have a, a pretty good NBA career along the lines of, you know, maybe say like a Danny Green or a Wayne Ellington that can be a starter or a sixth man, seventh man. As you as as he gets older and grows in his NBA career.
2: I think the, the what's gonna really kind of depend Jackson's ceiling is gonna be how well he plays defense. And just from what little I have watched on the summer league, which is, is mostly clips and highlights and things like that, but to me, it looks like Justin has filled out even more. He's always gonna be a slight guy, but he has kind of he's gotten a little bit bigger. And I think if he can really work on trying to become not a great defender, I don't think that's really in his repertoire, but just being, you know, a non-negative guy on that side of the ball. I mean, it's like you said, you know, guys like Danny Green are in the league. They've been in league for a long time. Wayne Ellington had a killer season last year for the Miami Heat. And I don't think it's hyperbole at all to think that Justin Jackson could develop into that same type
1: of player. Exactly. It's crazy to kind of think about how good these players become when their sole focus is basketball. You know, in college, there's limited practice time with the team. There's, um, you know, you have school, social activities, uh, you're going to classes throughout the day. and, And when they completely focus on basketball, they can hit the weight room, get on a regular schedule and really see a lot of um leaps in their strength and their jumping and their shots and their offensive repertoire all that stuff really improves I think this kind of transitions nicely to the next player I mean we're going to talk about is Tony Bradley who only played one season in North Carolina but has seen a huge jump in what he's done from his first year in the NBA to now his second year as a professional um, with Utah Jazz entering the, the 2018 summer league he's kind of the second player after jackson i think is, is take a big jump and been impress impressive um this summer do you have the stats on there for what bradley's done so far i know he's putting up pretty good rebounding numbers and decent points and also been an effective shot blocker as well
2: yeah so for tony bradley he had 16 points he's averaging 0.5 in assist which i mean for a big guy eh, that that's pretty good and then rebounds, it's funny because he had like a 14 rebound game the other night, but apparently, I guess overall, he's averaging 3.5. I don't know if that maybe, you know, includes some games that just were weird for whatever reason, but yeah. in, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, d- I definitely remember Um, if you look on some of the just complete recaps for, for
1: the Utah Jazz, yeah, he's. He put up double-digit rebounds a few times. I wrote a little something about him earlier in the week, and he had – in Las Vegas, they played two games, he averaged 21 points – 21 minutes, 16 points, and 3.5 rebounds. So, yeah, I think that's kind of the right numbers you're seeing there. And then in the Utah Summer League, where they just move around different cities, he averaged 12.3 rebounds and 14.7 points. So much better there. And he's been really um, consistent in terms of field goal percentage. In Las Vegas, he shot at 87% from the field, 13 for 15, usually just inside dunks, you know, little post moves, dump off passes inside, Um, and he shot 51% in three games in Utah. So, you know, he has all the tools physically in terms of size. There's this really interesting tweet from E underscore Woodard that said that it's kind of like a little scoop that Tony Bradley has grown from 6'10 to 6'11.5 And his wingspan is stretched from 7'5 to 7'6, according to a source. And remember, this guy entered the league uh, at age 19. You know, maybe young 19 is now 20. So he's still growing. I know I'm not a biology guy or, you know, a big uh, genetics individual. But a lot of men continue to grow through college and don't really reach their peak height and length until maybe 21, 22 so that's kind of uh, where all this potential that NBA players draft on. So it's kind of interesting to see how Bradley grows um, and how he's developed so far with Utah. Because I remember seeing him in the locker room in 2016, 17, and he didn't have much muscle definition. I mean, it was kind of like a, he was really long and had broad shoulders, but it was just kind of, I guess, kind of skinny or, or, or sloppy in terms of his body. But he uh, spoke about becoming leaner, reducing his body fat, getting quicker and stronger. It seems to be paying off because he did not have a, a, a really successful season last year. He only appeared in nine games for the Jazz last year. So first mm-hmm. round pick, number 28 overall, only nine games, mostly playing with the Salt Lake City Stars, the, the G League affiliate. But it seems like uh, he has the potential to kind of grow into a bigger role with the Jazz this year, coming off a, a pretty successful summer season. Well, and Tony's listed at being 248
2: right now, which that's at least, I think, maybe, what, 10 10 pounds heavier than what he was listed at at Carolina. And, I mean, it's like you said, Ross, he's always going to be kind of have that lighter frame. But I think if he can get that solid muscle, that's really going to help him out, especially because, I mean, Bradley's not really going to be that outside pick-and-pop type big man at least, you know, not early on, I, I don't really see that. But, you know, I think if he gets that that size up, that's definitely going to help him. In, in your opinion, what do you think would be like kind of a, a limit for, for Bradley? Like, what, are there any NBA players that you think, you know, kind of come to mind when you're thinking about his style, his frame and things like that?
1: Yeah, I don't watch enough NBA to really know. I mean, he <laughs> is a pure down low player. Um, he doesn't yeah. have near the athleticism of, of some of the I guess the more modern big man, I don't see him ever becoming a, a three point shooter, but he's six eleven. He's fundamentally sound like we saw at Carolina. He can rebound. He uses body well, and he has a, a couple good go-to moves. And along with his length, you know, they can't, like they always said, you can't teach height and he's going to have, he's going to be able to play in the league a long time. Cause he's still so young just because it's just what you can kind of see with his size. he, he He's doing well for himself. And um, I think the future's kind of bright for him. It'll be interesting to see, you know, he's only 20. So it's interesting to see you know, when he's 25, you know, whether he becomes a starter or how he kind of works out with the league. Another thing I think is interesting to, to kind of talk about is, is how he'll be remembered as a Tar Heel. Cause we often forget about the, the one and done guys. He did win a championship for UNC, but wasn't really a, a focal point for the team like a Marvin Williams. He wasn't nearly as good as Brandon Wright, but he's the third one and done under Roy Williams. And I, I kind of like think about Ed Davis, kind of like a forgotten big man that, you know, was was good, not great, but has really made a, a really good career after leaving early from UNC. Yeah,
2: well, and and I actually did have someone in mind when I asked you that that question. It was Greg Monroe. So okay, for a yeah, lot of that. Yes. Yeah. And for to put it in perspective, you know, Monroe, he's he's not really going to be one of those all star type guys, but he's been in the league for, I think, like sp- Seven or eight years now it's been, and for his career he's averaging thirteen point seven points, eight point six rebounds, shooting fifty one percent, and you know free throws seventy percent. So, if you're looking to kind of see maybe what Bradley could grow into, I could see him developing to that type of player. And Monroe's that same style of old school big, you know, going to stay in the post, bang bodies down there. But Monroe has actually only listed his weights um, two sixty five, so in six eleven, So, you know, Bradley's within that, that range. I don't think that's too much of a stretch to think Bradley could develop into that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great comparison. And, uh, I think it's fair to say it'll be interesting with NBA when how the NBA transitions, you know, they're, they're moving out to where all the big men can step outside and shoot. So, I mean, how valuable is a, as a big post player going to be oftentimes when it really matters, they, they have to take out the, the true big centers and go to more of a you know like a smaller, flexible lineup to compete with the up, the uptick in speed and the uptick in three point shooting. So you know it's a it's a lost commodity right now, and and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds over the next couple of years with uh, where the NBA is going. Yeah, I I definitely agree, and I think that's why you're seeing guys you know that can
2: play multiple positions, just like uh, Nazir Little, who's going to be joining Carolina. I mean. You know, it's not too much of a stretch to imagine that he could potentially grow into an NBA power forward, which, you know, 10 years ago would have been basically crazy talk. But that's just the way that the game is moving right now. How pumped are you for Nazir? Oh, my God. So pumped. It's yeah, that's the the season cannot get here soon enough because I just want to see him try to rip the rim off every single game. But let's take a quick commercial break, Ross. When we get back, let's go ahead and, and talk about some of the other guys that are on the Summer League. So we'll be back right after this.
0: Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Cajar with 1.91% APR and 1,000 euro cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See renault.ie. All right, and we
2: are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegely here with Ross Martin going over the former Tar Heels that are playing in the 2018 NBA Summer League. Ross, going to open it up to you, man. We've talked about Tony Bradley and Justin Jackson. Those are two having the best summer league so far. Who else that uh, has kind of stood out to you?
1: Yeah, I looked at Theo Pinson this morning and did a little write up on him. He's been kind of up and down. He's played in three, I think three games so far for the Brooklyn Nets. He went undrafted, of course, uh, in the 2018 draft. We all know about Theo Pinson. And actually, Roy Williams had a little media availability today and kind of spoke about the fit of where Theo Pinson and Joel Berry is. So, Pinson's playing with, with Brooklyn, and he is averaging, in three games, averaging 10 points and five rebounds. His shooting percentage is still pretty low. It's nine for 23, which is 39%. He's had some high games, some low games, and he gets 16 points in one game as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him because, you know, he's still struggling with shooting. He did knock down three threes in one game, but he's shown he can rebound, and he's showing he can pass, <laughs> He had five turnovers in one game as well with a minus 19 plus That's minus. So we're seeing some of the, the Pinson that we've we, we learned about in Chapel Hill, but there's with the negatives come the positives as well. And so I think it's going to be tough for Pinson to make an NBA roster his first year. I think he'd be an excellent G League player and someone they can develop. If he can get that shot down, he has so many other tools that they love. He can guard, I think, guard up to four positions, maybe five positions, in this new NBA, we've talked about he's a great playmaker. What we wrote about how Roy Williams was kind of trying to sell Pinson as a point guard—you know, a six-six point guard—because of his handle and his vision and his size it would translate well to the NBA. And we know he can rebound as well. So, you know, uh, an up and down UNC career capped with that 2017 championship and a really successful senior season. And it, it's going to be intriguing to see what happens with him, whether he's sixth round the NBA or goes over to Europe and, and makes some money over there or, or tries to latch on with a, a team that can really use his skills. Similar to Danny Green. Danny Green found a home, not necessarily the, the best athlete or the best player, but knew his role, knows his role, could knock down some threes, play some D, and is athletic enough to get the job done. So that is my Theo Pinson recap.
2: Well, and and I think with Theo, the most important thing is just getting that nba style game experience because they play at such a faster pace and fortunately for theo he's used to a faster pace than most colleges play by that roy williams system but it once you get into that next level i mean the level of competition just even goes up a whole another notch so I think with him, like you mentioned, Ross, the the five turnovers on a game and the highs and the lows, if he's going to stick in the NBA, he's got to figure out a way to develop that consistency. And we actually saw another Carolina player, J.P. Tokuto, who I think you said played in the Australian League, right, last yeah,
1: year? I think it's a, one of the top players there, like a first team, you know, all I think it's the NBL, National Basketball League. He was one of the top players last year led his, his team in rebounding and assists, I believe, was second in scoring. He's, yeah. he's playing for Golden State, right? Yeah, he, he is. And that's what
2: I was going to say is, you know, with J.P. Togito, I had last I don't have the stats for last year, but I remember them not being, you know, really much to write home about at all. But this summer league, he landed on the Golden State Warriors team. He's averaging 7.3 points, 1.3 assists, and then two rebounds. And I think that there's been a pretty decent amount of improvement in JP's game. And you can attribute a large part of that to, you know, being able to focus solely on basketball. You mentioned that earlier, Ross, about how you see these guys just kick up their own level of play once they are able to focus solely on that. And I think with Theo, that's another guy that that could definitely happen to if he's able to get that experience. And just like, like I said, get consistency and we could really see him stick around on a team that values his uh, defensive position and that
1: versatility yeah and and I think it's important for listeners to know that a guy like Tokido you know this you know I don't think Tokido especially thinks he's going to be in the NBA maybe there's a small chance he lands somewhere or gets to the G League but this is a chance for all NBA teams to see you in the summer league you have all 32 teams there scouts front office people that are getting tape on you. There's also there's European scouts and foreign team scouts that are seeing your tape, seeing you play. And so it's just a chance to show which, where you are, what you've been doing, and how you progress as a player. And that helps you get contracts, uh, bigger contracts, with better teams in different countries and different levels. And I think that's important to know that you know a player may be like Kenny Meeks, for example, who's with the Nuggets now. He may be with the Nuggets in Summer League, but he may be with a completely different team in a couple of weeks or, or later in the year, you know, because they get released, they get, you know, their deals get transferred, whatever, and so it's an interesting kind of dynamic with the summer league and how it kind of plays out. But they're just trying to impress someone and show their worth and and maybe master one or two skills that someone thinks worthy enough to to pay them money, and that's kind of the the goal that um, we see over these these summer league periods. Yeah, and you know there are way worse things than having a
2: nice guaranteed contract and living abroad, like in cities like Barcelona or Greece or somewhere in Croatia, I can definitely think of of a worse life than that, you know? That's right. And you mentioned Meeks just a second ago. Uh, he's actually averaging 5.7 points, 5.3 rebounds. So pretty consistent for, for Meeks there. He's listed at 6'10", 277. So he's keeping the, the weight off and hopefully gaining some strength. And, you know, I, I think for a lot of these guys, They're they're pretty realistic about it, even if the odds of playing in the NBA may not be in the cards. You got the the G League, and it is just an opportunity to really show your stuff for everybody. To also give a little bit of an update, we are recording this while the New York Knicks Summer League team is taking on the LA Lakers, and Isaiah Hicks is actually playing for the first time in the Summer League. He's only played 10 minutes, but he's already scored eight points, four or five shooting from the field. Uh, He actually took a three pointer. He missed it. That's his only miss so far. You know, live
1: update from from John Stigley here.
2: That's it, man. Uh, And then he's got two assists and then plus or minus of actually plus five. And, you know, that's plus five in a game that the Knicks are currently down by 14. So, you know, sounds like a pretty good showing for Isaiah. He's actually someone that I kind of expect to, you know, be kind of a guy. That has a little bit longer of an NBA career because I think Isaiah is more in that new NBA mold where he's got the inside-outside skills. His jump shot, especially by his junior year in Chapel Hill, was really reliable, in my opinion, for a big man. So I'm interested to see if Isaiah does play more this summer and if he you know, kind of uses that as a springboard to maybe have a little bit better of a season. Um, in what would be his second year in the NBA, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: he he actually just signed a two way two way deal with the Knicks uh, again this year. He already re upped. He signed a two way deal with the Knicks last season. Two way deal means you essentially are part of the franchise. You s- split time between the NBA team and the G League team. Most of the time with the G League team, but they can bring you up for games. And when Porzingis got injured last year for the Knicks, they called Hicks up, and Hicks played eighteen games for the Knicks. Uh, averaged 13.3 minutes, 4.4 points, 2.3 rebounds, and shot 45.8% from the field. So he got time in the NBA. 18 games is what about a fourth of the season, and uh, you know he proved that he can uh, he be a, a decent player in the NBA and kind of landed found a spot with the Knicks. So that they've re-signed him again. So that was good to see for for a player who you know is undersized for a power forward position in, in terms of the NBA. But super athletic. We saw flashes of that at UNC. Never really put it all together, in my opinion, at Carolina. But, um, yeah, a little more versatile than, than say, in Meeks. Uh, definitely has the the leaping ability. And uh, I guess the mentality as well, you know, a, a good personality and a guy who was always easy to get along with in terms of covering him as a player. One thing important to note that Marcus Page, who was with the Hornets last year, is not with a team right now. Neither is Bryce Johnson, who was drafted for in the first round in 2016 by the Clippers, bounced around last year. Part of that Blake Griffin trade to Detroit, then uh, traded to Memphis, and I think cut there and had a tryout with the Hornets, but didn't land with them this summer. And so both those guys, Page and Johnson, are not with a team and maybe looking to play abroad or something like that. Additionally, James Michael McAdoo, who had a little run with the Golden State Warriors as a, as kind of a bench player, is also not on a team right now and maybe looking to play abroad as well so we have run through what i mean joel barry's injured he's with the los angeles lakers got picked up with them in free agency he has not played yet to my knowledge so we got pinson we got barry we got meeks with the nuggets we mentioned uh hicks with the knicks that rhymes bradley okay. with the jazz who's been a standout player um and just going through a list here bryce johnson did not end up playing with the hornets got cut before the NBA Summer League started Justin Jackson with the Kings who's kind of been the star so far for the Tar Heels and Tokido so we we went through the eight players who I put together in a a kind of a slideshow before the NBA Summer League started and that's kind of the what we've got so far with uh, with the Summer League yeah and
2: one of the coolest things though I think about Summer League Ross and this is just a personal thing is you see some names that kind of like bring a blast from the past like on the Golden State Warriors team, they got Jordan Howard playing on the. Let's see, on the Utah Jazz, you got Diamond Stone. Yeah. Um, you've just got guys that like you remember seeing their names either through recruiting or through just watching them play in the ACC or just on TV. So it's really cool to just see all these guys out there still trying to to earn their spots, and um, I think it just shows that there is a level of competition here that is you know maybe a lot of fans don't really realize you kind of think oh well i've seen this guy play from my school and i think automatically he's going to do well in the nba it's just it, it's an entirely different animal out there
1: for sure and these guys are are trying to, to feed their families and make a living any way they can and, and sometimes the check i mean the, i don't know how much i don't think g league players get paid that much i don't think the nba summer league pays that well if you're not under contract so they're they're kind of just trying to you know make a living the kind of the same way you and i are with the uh the kind of the middle of the road stuff and you're just hoping to land a contract or or land with a team and, and land with some consistent form of, of income with a team and that maybe in europe or maybe in australia like tokyo is doing it it's a pretty cool existence i think traveling around and doing that for a couple of years and get to see different places like we talked about so um, i'm yep. all for it and i think it's a it's a great way to you know Get an education in college and just translate your life to a a whole different aspect of playing professionally, whether that be globally or uh, within the the confines of the United States.
2: Yeah. And and I think for for guys like we mentioned earlier, Marcus Page is going to be moving abroad. You know, he's one of these guys that could see kind of getting to the coaching ranks later on in life just because of how intelligent of a player he is. And, you know, someone that, that did that, that's currently sitting on Roy Williams' bench right now, was Sean May. I know May stuck around in the NBA for a little while. He ended up playing abroad. I mm, Was it in Greece, Ross? Do you, do, do, do you know sure. off the top of your head where Not he sure. was at? Yeah. I can't recall either. I just know that uh, he ended up finishing his actual playing career um, in europe and he translated that into you know coming on staff with Roy williams and he's on the bench you know right now learning from one of the all-time greats
1: and yeah it's it's a pretty cool thing like you said for sure yeah, and yeah i think you nailed it love to see marcus page you know start working with a team whether that be carolina or another team and get some experience and and making his way back to carolina as an assistant coach Maybe 10 years from now, and that happens, but I think he has all the tools. One of the smartest players and best leaders that uh, Roy Williams has coached, and that kind of translates. I mean, we see Kendall Marshall, who retired from professional basketball after going to the first round back in the 2012 draft. Kendall Marshall is already kind of working his way back to to become a coach with Carolina, kind of on the staff as a volunteer, kind of student assistant as he goes back to his degree. And so... Seeing those, those point guards, as foreign point guards, as former leaders, and those really likable players come back and be a part of the program is, is something that all Carolina fans enjoy to see. All right, Ross, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up with uh,
2: one final update for Isaiah Hicks. So the score right okay. now is 80 to 80. The New York Knicks have come right. all the way back, and uh, Isaiah is still sitting at his eight points, but his plus minus is now plus 19. So I'm just going to count wow. that as
1: he's the sole reason for it. That's, that's what I'm, I'm putting down in my book. That's right. Breathtaking Tuesday night NBA Summer League updates. <laughs> that's
2: it, man. All right, Ross. Well, hey, dude, thanks for, for talking to me. For everyone listening in, thank you guys as well. We'll be back with more coverage. And, Ross, hope that you have a good evening, man. Oh, I appreciate it,
1: John. See you. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.